，小嘴巴不讲话。Whatever time it is where you are, it's time for China Spoilers, a weekly podcast discussion of what it's like to make an indie television short program. I don't know. We're making videos and we're telling you all about it. I am your host Emily, and with me, as always, is Peter. We are coming to you live from lovely Wupwu Studios in Luzhou, Sichuan, China. It's、uh, August. August. Holy crap! Yeah, today we are going to discuss、um, how to approach story and how to approach plot when you're just first starting out. So we'll get to that in a moment, in, a, in more than a few moments. But let's let's kick things off with how's your uncle? Like I said, it's August here. And wherever you are too, I presume, unless you're watching this at a time that's not August.、Um, but this is our last show before I go back to America for a few weeks. Although, given the volume of posting we have, we may not even get to put this back up until I am back in China.、Um, but so anyway, I'm preparing for now to to take a trip back to the United States, which will be something.、Um, Basil update. The basil plant's doing okay. It's recovered from its plucking and it's growing new leaves. It didn't die, although some some little shoots I think are not going to grow back. And my I ordered some pots, and I'm going to transplant the basil into bigger pots. After vacation. After this broadcast. Oh. Maybe. I think that's my project for this evening. Wow. I'm so excited! I bought some potting soil from the supermarket. They have potting soil and they have actual potted plants, but they do not sell empty pots. So I had to order those online, which because I've been shopping for presents to bring back to America.、Um, Peter and I have been talking a lot about like what it's like shopping here, and it's weird.、Um, There's、Lots no, of different ways. Yeah, there's like, cause but for presents especially, I want like one of a kind items or at least stuff that's not mass market junk.、Um, but that's mostly what everybody sells,、uh, both in stores and online.、Um, but because the Chinese have taken to e-commerce, so I don't even know, like a fish takes to rice.、Um, <laughs> Everyone just buys stuff online, so like I find us buying ridiculous stuff just online because that's the easiest way to go.、Um, but so the pots came quickly. They're what I—they were bigger than I expected. I bought three, and they're huge.、Um, but so maybe my basil plant will grow into three huge pots. <laughs>、um, but I, I mean, the, there's the, a there's a tackle or a bait of some kind that involves rice for a fish. Maybe do fish are fish motivated by sugars? Maybe, not sure. My guess is they eat a lot of protein because、mm. what most fish are eating other smaller fish, Worms right? Worms or like eggs. Yeah. 
I wonder if they've evolved to, to seek out sugar the way that mammals do. Like if you take like a fish egg and you like put some rice around it like sushi? <laughs> Maybe fish, fish might be so dumb they try to eat anything. Anything that kind of dangles and hangs? Yeah, I mean, I guess that's how fi fishing works. <laughs> here's, the, here's the thing. What's that thing? <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. I don't know what fish do. Yeah, just curious. Yeah. If you had if you know out there, help us. Yeah. But anyway, so the shopping is tough. Because it's also, I don't, I'm not visiting China. I live in China. We've lived here for eight years in September. Oh my God. That will be our anniversary. Um, and our anniversary. I mean, our, the end of August is our anniversary. But we only do things in August. Yeah, August and September. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, that, oh, so that like, I don't really want to bring back, I brought back fans the first time I went back and the, I don't want to bring back beads and cakes parasols and... like because nobody actually wants parasols mm. i mean we do we have two that I has mean, been given to us as gifts decoration but, yeah most people here don't use the traditional art oh yeah no kind, parasol so. is definitely an objet d'art every once in a while you'll see like a really fancy girl dressed up or something that, but she's doing like a, a whole a fashion thing yeah, yeah. Because people do use sunbrellas, they bring their umbrella out when it's sunny. But and they're just regular umbrellas. They're just regular, regular umbrellas. Regular $5 yeah. umbrellas from the store. Yeah, yeah. You can buy people regular umbrellas and tell them this is very Chinese. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing, it's like, Chinese people don't have stuff. Mm. There isn't, li I mean... Don't, don't at me, like, they, don't, they don't have I mean, stuff. What get them a Chinese sneaker? It's it's whatever the most popular sneaker is. Yeah, yeah. Get them the most popular jersey. It's whatever the most popular yeah, jersey yeah. is. I could buy them basketball paraphernalia. Yeah. That's what get a record album. Like. It's whatever the kids are into. I mean, funny knockoffs. I always think are funny, but that I do feel like you have to have a special kind of sense of humor to. Funny knockoffs or the the Chinglish T-shirts or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. But, but not everybody likes that. They're so. also not as hard or as easy to find as everyone thinks that they are. Chinglish, funny Chinglish shirts. Because I would say there is like, there's, there's a charming more. way for them to be a mis mistake. The, there can be a charming mistake and there can be a mistake that's just boring. And most of it is just mistakes that are boring. Yeah. Like I have a t-shirt that's a knockoff that just like, instead of saying words, just has alphabetic letters on it yeah but not it's not supposed to be the alphabet it's supposed to be words or your logo here right right or Laura Mipsum sometimes they they leave on stuff which I that's mean, actually if if you're a copywriter it's pretty funny but yeah I don't have but any copywriter like, friends I think anymore. when you see what's online what people post it's always like the it's got a swear or something in it that's yeah just yeah. off enough that like it's well, that, a ridiculous off. Or that it's fooling with the meaning to mean ironically something else, mm. but usually it is just gibberish, which is not as satisfying. I wonder if, like, possibly that it's 
there's just better search engines for the uh, designers here these days that like because it's not as bad as it used to be I don't think yeah it used to be everything was absolutely ridiculous now it's pretty darn close I mean even like your 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 what is that a Nike shirt that you're wearing this is a, but this is a Nike shirt it's it's like straight from Nike yeah but, but there's more stuff that is straight so if you're copying that as a knockoff you're like yeah find these words it's, it's right there's right. less of a chance of it even going wrong in that sense yeah, or, I mean that, and that's where you get into like just typing mistakes. Yeah. Which is again not as fun. Like um, the schedule at the gym has the days Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, the three-letter abbreviations, but whoever typed it in for Tuesday is, is Tuen, T-U-E-N. Yeah. So it just is like a slip of the finger mistake, which is like oh. They just well, need that a would be copy the, editor. Yeah, that <laughs> that's be, not that's not a fun mistake. That would be the worst if you were just grammar trolling China. That's, oh yeah. You hate that in English. <laughs> like, give them a break. <clears throat> yeah. But for buying presents, uh, just like there isn't there isn't like a good novelty China thing once you get past. Well, it's the, all for students. They, I feel like there's like. The stationery stores have fun little student-y cheapo yep. gifts, but there's no, excuse me, there's no, like, bespoke artwork store. Well, I mean, if you're going to buy something kind of cute at a student store, it's going to be, like, a bobble-headed Iron Man or something. Like, you can't yeah, find, like, a yeah. hundred million of those in every store in America. Like, there just isn't really the China thing to get. Unless right, you're right. buying something like, you know, some, some earbuds or something like that that have Chinese characters across them because it's kind of cool but that's oh yeah it's kind of weird or like bus bus pass holders but mm. Americans don't need that yeah <laughs> my family doesn't need that anyway they all have cars so your your solution to possibly do that tomorrow well we can't say well we can't say but this isn't going to be out before you get back oh. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so maybe you can, you can spoil and find out what you did find <laughs> yeah but yeah, I guess we'll, we'll we can match up. So the the idea is to go to like actual. It's not handicrafts for tourists. It's just like folk, farmer objects, <laughs> like baskets. It's and, like your standard like bodega. Yeah, yeah. Work store or something. Yeah, for work workmen and farmers. Work purposes. Yeah. Or around the house stuff. They actually and they have beautiful and, cutting boards that look like they're cut from like the actual stump of a tree, which, you know, for us, for our kitchen, that would be nice, but I'm not carrying that back to America. We're not even carrying it back from the store because it's like yeah. 400 pounds. Yeah, That's well, like we had one in Lijian, and I remember I bought it. I bought it on the same day I bought a bread knife because it was the same store <laughs> at the market. You almost killed yourself. And it was like, I had to pack it really carefully and I had my, like, my little scooter, my motorbike, my e-bike. And I, like, it wouldn't fit in the back or the underseat. The underseat had a little storage area. Um, and it wouldn't fit in there. It was so big I had to, like, prop it between my knees and, like, be careful that the knife wasn't facing to, like, slice my leg off. Incredibly dangerous, <laughs> but the 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 cutting board was so heavy that like everything kind of stayed in place, which was good. But it was like it was so big, like I was like 
was straddling a big board and like could barely keep my foot on the footboard. Your poor e-bike was probably. Yeah, it was like it would strain on that hill on the on the full charge Mm -hmm. with just me. So that's beautiful and not coming home. Yeah, yeah. We didn't even move provinces with that. We abandoned it. (laughs) (laughs) But things Um, like like. But yeah, they have like woven baskets. They're not, they're probably not hand woven and they're the same baskets everywhere in China, but they're not everywhere in America. So maybe that's... Garden tools and and things that are workmen's clothes and stuff that, it sounds ridiculous, but like it's the closest thing in our town. Yeah. It's like a traditional thing that looks Chinese, I guess. Yeah, it's just weird. The relationship to shopping here is like... There's no bourgeois, or the the new money wants to buy stuff that's the same as everybody else. They don't want to buy like because when our Chinese friends they go on vacation, they go to Hong Kong, they buy a bunch of brand name stuff to bring back here that you can't yeah, get here. Yeah. So it's all stuff that you would buy at the Holyoke Mall or wherever. In right, right. Which when I go back to America, I'm gonna pick up a lot of beauty products and pants, but. Beauty pants? Beauty pants. Beautiful pants. No, because there's like, I guess we're paying a tariff on like Clinique and stuff. So mm. it is, it's cheaper to buy it in America and bring it here. It's, it's now it's available in Lujo, but it is a little more expensive. It's like 50 bucks instead of 40 bucks. So, you know. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like even the same thing with food. We just went, uh, we were just talking about Pizza Hut yesterday. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and how Pizza Hut's terrible in America, but it's even worse oh, here. Oh, it's so bad. It's but so it's a bad. luxury restaurant. Yeah. So you gotta pay like crazy amounts for a really bad pizza. Yeah. It's but definitely it's like not worth it if you've ever eaten a pizza. Expensive fancy night out here. I mean, it's not cheap in America. Pizza Hut, it's as, as far as like fast. Mm. I guess it's fast casual. Fast casual. Um, <laughs> it's, it's more expensive than McDonald's. Oh, well, well, yeah, there's not much that's cheaper than McDonald's other than Taco Bell, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but still bad fast food. Yeah. It's not like going to your local pizzeria where everything's made fresh or anything. Yeah. And this is like, it's not even greasy here. It's just like it's been freeze-dried or something and yeah, you kind of yeah. get like a, a weird Well, because there's, there's not a lot of cheese on it. Mm. Um, and there is no tomato sauce. Yeah, whatever. It's like a tomato mist that's dried yeah, up across yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. And the pepperonis are blah. Yeah. So, yeah, don't now come I'm here like, looking... I'm stuck in a Pizza Hut remembrance. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> don't come here excited for Western stuff. Yeah. And don't think of bringing lots of amazing exotic Chinese things home. Well, I mean, other people are better shoppers than me. I don't want to say, like, it's not there, mm. but I, like, go into a store, and if in two seconds I don't see what I want, I'm just like, <laughs> I'm a terrible shopper. I just am not good at it. Well, at if you were to go to the UNESCO, um, the, the heritage villages and stuff like that, there's, it's all made for trinket buying and it's expensive well yeah that's us there is trinket buying but it's also like we don't we don't live in a place where there's tourists so we don't have tourist trinkets and they're they're high price and they're mass produced yeah yeah they're still mass produced which is the thing i'm trying to avoid and then like my other big thing is i like to give books as presents because i love books but the books at our bookstore here are not you don't get like nice 
volumes. You just, they're all like paperbacks, which is, you know, great for cheap reading if you're just reading, but a paperback is not a good present, in my hmm. opinion. Even for summer reading? My parents don't read Chinese, so... <laughs> <laughs> it would have to be a book that is nice as an object, and our bookstore does not have those. Yeah. There's no, like, art... There's no, like... What's that publisher, Phaedon? Um, that, I'm not sure, but, yeah, art books art, are, are... There's no... Again, if you're a good shopper, maybe you can find these things, but mm. I can't find these things. And certainly, I'm sure that the in the bigger cities, you can find... Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I guess because that's though. that's the thing is like everyone who who comes as a tourist, as a foreigner, goes to like the markets, the silk markets in mm -hmm. Shanghai, and they get silk and they get pearls and they get all this or stuff. Or even with like bigger items that are high, like art books or probably music or video games or action figures or comic books or all kinds of things that I like. Yeah. I know I see them in, I mean, not that we've been to Beijing, but like online, I see there's plenty of that kind of cool stuff. Mm. Even like a little bit in Chengdu. Yeah. But they're, I mean, it is here in our town. Um, there's lots of cool things and lots of cool big cities everywhere, yeah. but you know, yeah. it'd be the same. There but was, I guess uh, this is the thing, I've been spoiled by living in New York City yeah. where it is like, well, I'll just go down to the village and wander around until something catches my eye and you just can't do that here because one, because one block is too big. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's your first problem and then it just gets worse from there. Yeah, uh, an afternoon of walking in Chengdu is a block. Yeah. <laughs> You were when we were just watching Seinfeld, and they walked into a knickknack store with all kinds of. Oh yeah, hats yeah, yeah, and, like a consignment store. Yeah, and we were like pining over like that's so awesome. Yeah. What, what, the closest thing we have to that is a store that sells baskets and cutting boards. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's not. Or the student stores, which is just like, because right. it's more common in China as a student to dorm younger, like. My middle mm -hmm. school students were doing sleepaway. I wonder if elementary school is even sleepaway sometimes. But well, so, how old, how old the so seniors? these stationery stores would have stuff for like a dorm because and like toys and fun things that kids would on the weekend come out and spend their pocket money on. The juniors were nine. And most of them were on campus. Yeah, yeah. The uh, as far as. Maybe they're 10 or 11, but still, it yeah. was, was pretty the, young. The, the ones that were like local in town that like lived around the city center. Mm -hmm. But once we moved out to the countryside, there was a lot more. Yeah, I think even some, once you got into the high school kids, even if they lived in the city, they would live on campus mm. so they'd have more time to do homework instead of commuting back yep. and forth. <laughs> <laughs> Chinese school is intense. Yeah, because we would see them like on the weekends if we would be walking around town and they, we'd see them in town and we're yeah. like, oh, you didn't go home? They're like, I am home. Yeah, oh, yeah. But you just live. Yeah, you <laughs> just live on, the... on campus during the week. Because even some of the teachers would do that. Um, if they lived in the city, they'd sleep out. Yeah. Work nights at the school. Because you're up late. There's teachers' apartments too. We, yeah. didn't, we didn't have to live in a dorm, it was apartments. And they might be doing like uh, work study stuff at like nine or ten o'clock yeah, in the yeah, classrooms yeah, yeah. and so yeah by the time you get up at seven in the next morning 
Yeah. We even had some of our students that like lived in the apartments that were just like a walk down the road, one bus bus stop. Yeah, which is from the school. Because you have to test into a certain high school, it's not that they lived there and so they went to that school. It's that their kid got into that school so they moved apartments to be near that school. Yeah, yeah, the whole family has <laughs> up and moved just to make it easier. Yeah. Which um I worked really hard in school. And even still like this is the, <laughs> not even close. No, these kids Oh my goodness. It's the kids who stay in school. A lot of kids, or not a lot. Some kids right. drop out to start. Well, I think we might have. I don't know. I, once again, one of those things that we don't have is to compare to city life. Mm. Us being in the country, there is a good chance that we've seen a lot of kids that just kind of disappear out of nowhere. And yeah. well, some of them may have their family moved to a big city or something. But some of them, I think, just decided I don't want to go to school anymore. I'm gonna work at this, you know, restaurant or... Yeah, I think senior senior one was the age where kids started to age out of mandatory schooling. Mm -hmm. um, by mandatory schooling, I mean where the government has to pay for you to go to school, yeah. <laughs> not that you have to stay in school. And so there were some kids who, when the deadline came up where their family would have to foot the bill, they just decided to go to work. Right, because yeah, there, is, there isn't, like, neighborhoods or busing or anything like that. It's like you you farm around to each school that you like, just like college, right? Like the families would come in and, and, and decide, are we gonna go to the, are we gonna send our kid here next year? Oh yeah, yeah, I mean, you'd still have, to, you'd have to get in, but yeah. Yeah, yeah it's a lot like college. A lot like college, even um, like in high school. Yeah, yeah, there is like, you'd have your reach school, I guess, and, and whatever, or mm -hmm. I guess, maybe you don't, I think it's not so free as like you can choose whatever schools in the city you want to apply to. It's like your Zhongkao, the entrance exam grade, tells you which school you can go to. Because mm -hmm. um, we have ranked schools all over the city. Yeah, yeah. Ours was number two for a while. Yeah, I'm not sure. I wonder what they are now. Cause it's, I mean, they don't, I don't think they changed the name, like it is, it's just named number two middle mm. school. I don't think that's the ranking, but then they are also ranked, but I'm not yeah. sure how that happens. I think it changed while we were there. That or might be true. It bumped up and then bumped down or Maybe. something. Cause my friend works as a hospital administrator and they have a similar process for ranking the hospitals in the city and she last summer was so busy because her hospital was going for a higher ranking. Mm -hmm. um, so I remember she was like, I can't hang out. <laughs> Our hospital's getting ready to to zoom up. Uh-huh. Um, that's, that's one way to decide <laughs> what, your, what your level of... of uh... Well, I'm sure like there's more money in it from the government if, right. you're, if you get a higher ranking as a hospital. But I, I respect that somebody that's just like, I don't want this is, I'm fine where I am. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that's the greatest. <laughs> that, uh, that's why everybody goes to the number one hospital. Mm hmm But. Yeah. Hospitals. You did. Mm-hmm. It's number one. Number one. That's why we went there. That actually is why we went there. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it was either that or 
go all the way to Chengdu. Yeah, which would just seemed like a ni nightmare. It's a four-hour ride. We weren't getting any helicopters. Yeah. No chopper coming in. Well, they're like, we'll give you an ambulance to transport you to Chengdu. I see, we've seen the ambulances. They're bread trucks. <laughs> yeah. No, they're okay. They're de they're mm -hmm. decent ambulances, but it would not have been a nice ride. And the big factor was I'd have to get a hotel or stay in the hospital with you. Mm -hmm. And at that point, it was still like we didn't know how long you'd need to be in the hospital. So right. I was like, I need the, at least the certainty at the end of the day I can go home to my apartment. And I have friends here who are helping me. I don't have friends in Chengdu. They wanted to turf you so bad. <laughs> I fought really hard not to get transferred to Chengdu. It was... I, I'm, if, if, that anniversary's coming yeah, up, too. <laughs> the... Uh, um, being at the Luzhou Hospital, I feel like, I mean, as tough as it was, it might have been just as tough there for all we know, but like the fact that it was the Luzhou Hospital yeah, and it's our city, it felt that, I mean, at least everyone is familiar with it around, like the taxi cab drivers know how to get there so you could go. Well, and I know how to get there. Yeah. That was the big thing. There was like a certain amount of caring for your comfort, but then like I also needed to the best decision for me was not to go mm -hmm. to a completely strange city. Plus, we knew some of the people that worked there, some of them even being students. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And, like, for some reason, the friends I've made here, the local friends I've made here, are a lot of them work in hospitals. Mm -hmm. So we did have, like, a, I don't know if you remember this, but we had a parade of people coming through checking <laughs> up. Like, who on are these people? the work being done with you. <laughs> being a Chinese hospital, I didn't know if there were people that we knew, if there was just a parade of... Right. Because then sometimes it would be like, they were our students who had graduated and now are, like, studying at the hospital. Mm -hmm. That happened a couple times, too. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so that's, like, what kind of kept me sane was that I had people around mm -hmm. who at least I knew. <laughs> and I guess that was my friend's ways of helping when I was, like, mm -hmm. um, you know come keep me company and they're like yeah and I'll bring by the head nurse from our program just to like see how you're doing and some of them like yelled at your staff really? <laughs> yeah they were like you're not doing this you're not doing this well that's that's, that's what I think is because if we'd gone to Chengdu where there's like thousands and thousands of, of foreigners also like yeah and it's a place we don't know it would have we, we would have been lost in the scrum completely Whereas in well here, the thing know, about the Chengdu hospital too is they had a, a foreigner VIP program mm -hmm. that cost like American hospital costs. Uh -huh. It means you get to jump the lines and all the, and you get a, maybe a more comfortable room, but like it was still very expensive for you to, it was total 10 weeks in the hospital. Um, but it was Chinese prices, mm -hmm. whereas it would have like bankrupted mm -hmm. everyone right. if we had gone to Chengdu and done the VIP program, I think. Oh, we're stronger for Stanley. Yeah. And I mean, like, when they were like, well, you, if you join this program, you could cut the lines. I'm like, in Lujo, there's no lines. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's lines. But that, it's... that now, years later, that we're, we go back on a regular basis, not just for me, but for you, too. Yeah, that and was like our know. icebreaker into to Chinese healthcare. And yeah. now we, like, go to doctor's appointments. We know the right elevators to use. We yeah. know the right doctors yeah. to try to get a hold of, the right departments. So that actually... As our local hospital, yeah, actually helped out for the future. Yeah, well, so and it, it means, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it means, that, yeah, that we can get healthcare. It's been a 
instead of like saving it all up and having to go back to America. Unfortunately, they don't have any cool presents in the gift shop that you could buy. <laughs> no, they do have like a little mini supermarket. Yeah. But Would it be great though? You like get your, all your, the your bed pans. They, like, <laughs> they had like a Lucho International College tea sweatshirt. Oh. <laughs> He would love that. <laughs> they don't have that though. Yeah. And they might not have one big enough. True. My dad's six four. Get a couple of them and so them together. Some kind, of, some kind of Frankenstein College Medical Institute. <laughs> yeah. My daughter got this for me. I don't know what she's doing with her life. She doesn't go to this. The, the hospital is the the university hospital. She doesn't go to the university. <laughs> She went there as a patient. <laughs> Which is also funny is that the the taxis all the time, because that's the other big nexus of foreigners in our city, is um, they have a, a foreigner program for doctors, medical students, so that when I say we're going to the hospital, they're like, oh, are you a doctor there? Oh, no, we're just going to the hospital. <laughs> I'm a patient. Yeah. So, the other update is the Rubik's update. Do -do 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 -do. So I can solve it now in my best time was two minutes, but that was kind of a lucky, a lucky turn. Um, but I am about two and a half minutes is how fast I can, I can do it. I looked into speed cubing because um, I was like, do I get if I get under a minute, is that like good? No, it's not. <laughs> the the record for using the beginner algorithm, which is what I'm using, is you can get under 20 seconds if you do it, if you're like, that's the current record. Um, and the actual world record is under four seconds. Holy moly. And that does include a period of 15 seconds of looking at the cube. Um, so it's four seconds plus 15 seconds, feels like to me, but I won't quibble. And the other interesting fact I learned about this is that the actual Rubik's brand cube is not, the tension and the turn motion is not ideal for speed cubing. And so there's a bunch of Chinese companies who make the cubes that all the speed cubers prefer. Um, and it's a whole, it's a whole community. Of course it is, of course it is. <laughs> I didn't know, but I looked it up, and now... Uh, it was like conventions and stuff, right? I think so. Um, maybe not just for Rubik's, maybe they're gaming conventions or something, but... Yeah, I don't know, I, I haven't gotten that far into it, but it is like, <laughs> it's a bigger world than I was expecting, what's but the, it makes sense because... What's the biggest Rubik's Cube that you've ever seen? I don't know, but I'm sure, I'm sure someone's documented it. <laughs> This, this one, this is the biggest cube I've ever seen. No, that, that, um, now I forgot what I was, you, Sorry, you but I, I got excited by a big Rubik's Cube. Now, oh. we're, now we're on hot topics. <laughs> that it makes sense because no one is really coming up with, like I didn't figure out how to solve it. And I'm not a topologist. I'm not gonna invent a new way of, of solving it, although, People probably are, but that the thing to compete is like, because it's an algorithm, who can do the algorithms the fastest? Um, that's what the competition is. And now I'm hooked. At least for the rest of the summer. <laughs> <laughs> you ever gonna graduate for the round ones? I feel like 
like the edges help me because once once you get your speed up you do want to like go by feel as much as looking and I feel like it's blindfolded circle then? we'll see we'll see if I can get under a minute that's my my current goal is to get under a minute all right well if you work your way up to it you okay. can do a blindfold and I'll peel off the stickers well then I don't then <laughs> it's done <laughs> you don't know it's solved not the original yeah they sell stickerless ones that are just like colored cubes, mm. which some people prefer. For endurance? Yeah. Well, it's like, like anything, there's a whole culture around it of like the stickerless ones. Some people like those and some people only like the sticker ones and some people like this kind of friction and some people don't like that kind of friction. And then like one tip I read was like, you're going to get a couple cubes. Make sure one of them's super quiet, because this one, when it turns, it does make a... Mm. That'll get you caught in class. Yeah, that's why they recommend getting a quiet one, so you could just do it under your desk in class and no one will know. I mean, your teacher's going to see that you're doing something, but they're not going to hear it, at least. You can speak confidently as being a teacher that when you think you're hiding something under your desk, I could see that you're hiding something under your desk. Um, the, the, the other shapes at all, I know there's pyramids, those excite you. Not really. I'm a, I'm a staunch traditionalist. <laughs> Give, I mean, it's a, a surprise. Yeah, it's a surprising stance for me to take, maybe, but <laughs> I'm pretty conservative about some things. Shapes. I'm, very, I'm a shape conservatist. <laughs> I'm a social progressive and a shape conservative. At least you know what to run on now. And a fiscal mess. <laughs> <laughs> um, but let's go. Let's get to uh, any business. No, not really. We're just uh, we're plugging away. Yeah. New videos. We got some new things underway that we're working on. We got yeah. We're banking material. So when I go back to America, Peter still has stuff to work on. Um, so the channel will continue as normal, um, but let's uh, let's do some homeschool film school. Da -da 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 -da. So as we said last week, um, Peter and I are writing with the hopes to produce a full-on miniseries to be distributed somewhere. Hopefully, that you can see it. Um, and we're way, way in the early stages of development still. And so this week I wanted to talk a little bit about story development. Because um, that's after... Kind of concurrently with characters is really step number two. But characters, I find, the stories I like are character driven. Um, so I started with characters and now we're working on story. And so we did a lot of... I did a lot of research on... Um, story structure and formula and all that and a lot of that research involved watching TV <laughs> um, and it's interesting because there is like the hero's journey is the big deal and there are like a couple big screenwriting books there's a lot more tips out there for movies than there is for hmm. TV and we were pretty why did we decide to do TV versus a movie well, I think probably a lot of reasons, really. Yeah. The, you have that it's easier to set up 
small groups rather than one long group. Yeah. We also have, a, I think, more story than an hour and. Yeah, I think we wanted minutes. to see like more change over time mm -hmm. than a movie's one arc would. Because we're not be. really sure if we're gonna do more seasons than one. Yeah. But we do feel we have more than just the the basic arc beats yeah. of. And I think, as far as like world building, and our world is China. But world building this expat community, um, you can you can get more immersed in the side characters, in the situations, in the places in a TV series than a movie. Yeah, I think. Um, yeah, when you when you can focus, I mean, a, a lot of what interests me are the small stories. Yeah. And one large small story mm -hmm. means you basically have like one small movie yeah um you're not gonna make a blockbuster that's the only thing right, everyone really right. cares about but uh which is not a bad thing it's not a small movie is those are my favorite movies yeah yeah but in sh with the sheer amount of content of eight years plus whatever happens between now and yeah. finishing that we just have so many itty bitty tiny little stories that it was yeah. more interesting for me anyways to put them into these little little tiny boxes and explore again like we're watching we talked about before we're watching Seinfeld so those little stories of like when you're writing a story and you're like I've got all these things that are going into this half hour and I'm like that's two or three episodes I'll, I'll, right, I right. want to see them just in that restaurant a la Chinese restaurant yeah. in Seinfeld like, yeah because there's enough little stories living there yeah so a lot of the advice out there is for movie screenwriters, um, but Dan Harmon, who created Community, and Rick and Morty, I guess is now his famous thing, Yeah. Um, has a lot of good stuff online. He has an essay series on, on story structure for TV specifically, and he still uses the, um, he calls it the story circle, and it's based on the hero's journey of like call to action, resistance, trials, meeting with the goddess, whatever step six is called, I forget, but it's more trials essentially. <laughs> and then crossing the threshold back into normal life, blah, blah, blah. Um, and with the caveat that in a movie, your starting and end point are going to be vastly different. And within a TV show, sitcom especially, your end point is kind of going to wrap you back around to the start because in sitcoms, um, the guiding factor is that not much has changed. Mm -hmm. um, and then so, you actually, it is a formula, um, but you could do a lot with it. And you can see in a show like King of Queens, for example, is pretty... Um, <laughs> and one, yeah, one note that... The formula is Doug wants to do a thing and Carrie thinks it's stupid. Yeah, it's essentially what uh, the Honeymooners or the yeah, Flintstones yeah. just over and over. Versus like something like 30 Rock, which is actually fairly dynamic in terms of what's going on in each episode. And then we do follow life changes for all of the characters over the course of mm -hmm. um, the season. Which was, that was even pretty unique for half hour sitcom stuff. I don't know, past past the eighties was like it was like a nineties thing or something. Maybe even later than that, that that things would actually really progress with Oh that you'd have season long continuity in yeah. a comedy, yeah. I think. I don't know, I'd have I, to really I think, think about right, it, but I like it, right. it was fairly new. even like well the drama 
like things like X Files was just that that there was a hint at some kind of continuity right. going on was uh, groundbreaking. Mm -hmm. Like I had a hard time watching it because it was just Monster of the Week to me because I wasn't right. that invested right. into it. But, but for, there was a long running. Yeah, and even now, still like with like Marvel Shield or something, I can't really get into the arc. Seems useless to me because it just <laughs> feels Monster of the Week. Yeah, yeah. There isn't real stakes that are like. I mean, I guess it's a big complaint with something like that because it's attached to the movies. But mm. yeah, but that, so that's like. Even even something like Thirty Rock is still your standard network sitcom. And then another influence was what we've formally termed the bespoke character-led mm. comedy drama, which is I, I would say Aziz Ansari's Master of None is a big mm -hmm. um, one for me, big example of like it's not a sitcom, it is funny. But we're very much following the lens of this one character who is um, changing over the course of the season. And that there's structure experiments like that you spend time with his, you spend an episode with his parents, you spend an episode with different characters, and it's very much um, a character driven point of view. And I think our. our goal is something kind of melding those two. I think we don't. This is a lot to get into, <laughs> but we don't we don't necessarily want to invent a new way of telling serialized stories, mm. um, and but we do want to show our characters grow and change over the course of the season. And so we have we had that that was like the very basics in mind. We wanted to show these characters in an environment that changes them and follow along that journey. Um, and then when it comes down to more specifics. I wrote so many outlines for these eight episodes that kind of chipped in and closer and closer to, to what the truth is. And I think the challenge for me is finding the correct scale of a story to tell in one episode. And so the stories we started with were kind of like, they were, because this grew out of the, the fiction scenes that Peter and I were doing together, they were as close to like, Emily buys a new pair of shoes for an episode <laughs> and that turned that was like oh this is too small and then it was we had like now the new characters are called something different they get a new job that shakes up their whole life and they meet 17 new characters that's too many things for one story and so I think that's for me narrowing down or zoning in on like what what kind of arc is just one arc, but is enough of an arc for, you know, 30 minutes of, of television? Mm -hmm. um, I don't have answers for that because I'm still <laughs> figuring that out. That's the journey that we're on. <laughs> yeah, but I think like in the, at the very basics, you need to have a push-pull of like one character wants one thing that's in conflict with another character. And this was, this was a big learning thing. That like the first drafts I wrote were just everybody sitting around and being nice to each other because that's <laughs> like how we experience life. <laughs> but that's not actually that compelling as a, as a story. So we did need to introduce some conflict 
And it turns out the conflict creators are now my favorite characters to write because they're like super fun. And that's that's something like actors always say, like it's more fun. It's to always play. fun to be the bad guy. Bad guys. Um, and then, so I, I think, here's a journey, another journey. Um, given that the characters were supposed to be us and then we decided that they are not us, kind of freed me up to like not insult either of us by like painting us in a bad light. So now they're not us. They can do terrible things that we would never do because we're good people. <laughs> and then so writing these actual bad guy characters being kind of shirty and terrible. Um, then like that's like, well that's so fun. Now I want our main characters to do stuff that's like not not good. I think with like when you listen to well, especially people talk about Larry David. Yeah. It's uh, he tries to pull the wool over your eyes a bit, but when people he's not that guy. He's, right, I've heard him say these are like thoughts that maybe I have internally, but I would never express right. them outwardly the way my character does. So even if you're going to make it yourself, then you've got to like you're gonna like have to actually make the decision of like this is the worst me because it's gonna be the funniest. Me. Right, right, but yeah, I have to admit to all these bad impulses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you get that a lot with like that's why people have a love hate with a lot of comedians because mm. they are absolutely wearing their bad guy on the sleeve. Yeah, yeah. Even somebody like a Seinfeld who's notoriously a good guy, mm -hmm. but it, it, it's a selfish mindset that like, you're like, well, he doesn't really seem to care about anybody. Yeah. He's just perfect because he deemed himself perfect mm -hmm. and still comes out like as, as the, help me. <laughs> I was just thinking about something else. Oh, well, thanks. Here we <laughs> Sorry. go. Sorry. <laughs> but, oh, because what I was thinking about was, because we do enjoy those movies and TV shows where, like, nothing bad happens and everyone's a good person the whole time. But it also, those don't tend to be funny. Mm -hmm. Correct me if I'm wrong. They're more like, ah, oh, that's so, it's so nice. Well, like, <clears throat> things that we've watched recently that we like. <clears throat> Light Master of None, or Rami, mm -hmm. or um, uh, Take My Wife. Yeah. They're not really, they're comedians, and they're not really funny. Even Baskets mm -hmm. can get pretty wacky. But yeah. Like, it's more situations of characters. Right. That could be kind of silly, kind of absurd. Mm-hmm. And that whole side is far more interesting than us than like a, a pratfall. Not that there's anything yeah, wrong with yeah. a pratfall. Yeah, yeah. And but I guess like the the sitcom situations where one character is withholding an information from another character oh, yeah, or the lying. Freeze company. Yeah, those are those just seem so contrived. That conflict that is straight up like head to head isn't that interesting. Whereas good intentions gone awry mm -hmm. are. To me, really. Well, funny. we've evolved. I mean, not all of us, but uh, <laughs> as people that enjoy stories, the audience is starting to evolve. Where it, I, I don't need to see, yeah, somebody sneaking around behind another person, and that's what makes things funny is that there's miscommunication. Like, yeah, yeah. I feel like the using take my wife spoilers. Yeah. Um, take it, my wife was a CSO comedy right. uh, that we recommend. Yes. 
and that the, the culmination of that is that they're getting married, they're two comics, one opens for the other, one's more successful at the moment. Yeah. And so as they're getting married and their special is being taped, yeah. one of the specials, yeah. the conflict that from the whole season is, well, we're going to get married and we're going to have to share our things and all those stuff, yeah. but none of it is like this, like, oh my God, I, my life is crippling, I'm going to lose my identity, but it's there subtly, and like one is like, don't steal my material when we're on stage. Right, That's right. a lot more subtle than like, you know, like, I don't know, she has, I don't know, invited a monkey from King of right, Queens right, to right. the wedding. Yeah, like, when it's like, what the Rhea Butcher has, has anxiety because her dad is not RSVPing to their wedding, mm -hmm. but then Cameron is like, I need you to be more excited about my thing, and but Rhea's like, but I'm really worried about my thing. Yeah, none That's of it like actually, a much more realistic... None of it actually feels like an impending of like, the wedding's not gonna happen, or someone's not, she's not gonna show up for the wedding, and right, right, right. about the uh, altar left alone. Or like someone got the date wrong, or they're yeah. gonna show up at the wrong place, like there's no, the no hijinks. Yeah, the, in fact the closest thing to hijinks was that like, the the venue messed up and then she got a whole bunch of cupcakes. Oh yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That's as like wacky as it got. And that, that was a fairly traditional look at that, but everything is so subtly along those, even even if it sticks to the same program, like we're all used to, I mean, it, it, the, the boring show would have been that they met, they were comics together, together, then they got married and it was nice. Right, right. I mean, right. you can't just do that because no one wants to watch. Oh boy, I really but also that's to how kind nice of like is. what happened. They yeah. both had career successes, and then they got married, and we're very happy about that. Yeah. <laughs> but like the the, I guess that's where it's a psychological conflict mm -hmm. rather than like. I want to go to the basketball game on Sunday, but you want to go to the ballet. Yeah. Like, that's I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I they're lesbians, so that's not a conflict that happens, right. I don't yeah. think. But well, although like, one is, well, one is... Yeah, in, one is very sportsy. And the other one is very artsy. Yeah. So you could actually just stick that right in there, like, I want to go to the ball game, I want to go to the opera, but instead, and then you have another King of Queens episode. She has her friend that they talk about baseball things with, mm -hmm. and as a couple, they're allowed to have their outside friends and outside interests, and that makes them more whole as people. <laughs> right, and we, so when you scrape it down to, it, it is pretty traditional sitcom storytelling. Yeah. But there's never this, like, bomb that's about to drop where yeah. it could be a monkey, a plane crash, and, you know, some kind right, of Right, where people are, like, farcically darting in and out of rooms, yeah. hiding things Scooby from each other. Scooby-Doo in yeah. the hallways. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, so that's like kind of our mood, our our temperament of what we're mm. trying to do. And so it is... Because we have our adventure being here, what we've learned by being in China, there is like crazy highs, crazy lows, wacky things that have happened, but it, it never is like these clown-faced Tex Avery, like, Aruga! Yeah. moments that yeah. are like... I, at some point, even like you get used to it, like we were just talking about, like weird things happen, and, and you're kind of accept them of like now that's a weird thing. Yeah. 
Yeah. And it doesn't mean that that shouldn't be commented on. Like, it's not weird. Like, we're so great that we don't notice the weird things. Yeah. It's that, like, how are we going to translate that into an interesting story? As right. opposed to, like, ah, you're so weird <laughs> that you're doing that. Yeah. Which, the, um, so that, that kind of, we know what kind of feeling we want, and we know kind of how a structure should go to, like, get people invested in the stakes and so I think the easiest thing to do and that's where I got stuck on doing this over and over a couple times was plotting out the season-wide arc of the mood of each episode but then going from like in this episode this is the episode where we see they are resistant to their new circumstances okay that's great what does that mean and then so that's how I had to figure out to go scene by scene and say like and then that's where, like, so we have the emotional arc, and sometimes it's even just a plot arc, but then the arc of, so tr traditionally sitcoms are a three-act structure with an optional opener and closer. How much different is that from the an beginning actual and movie? End? Is it really just I think movies maybe five acts. So maybe you could make a case that three acts plus teaser and stinger is five acts. Because mm -hmm. um, it always is the, those movies that are, it happened in one night. Are They do feel like major event movies that stick right. with a lot But they still have, here's the protagonist. Here's the protagonist being challenged by an unfamiliar situation. Here's the manic pixie dream girl crosses them across the threshold. Mm -hmm. So I think there is... The, the same theory is there. Right. Although in terms of like commercial script writing, you'll have a different page count for when this bomb is dropped in a movie versus when it comes in a television show. Mm. Um, but like that's, when you get into all this advice stuff, it is like, they'll give you page counts. Like by this page, <laughs> this kind of conflict should have happened. By this page, you should have introduced this. Yeah, and it's, um, it's, it's, it's crazy, like I remember taking screenwriting in, in college mm -hmm. and at being at that age of whatever I was 20 or something like that it was infuriating because you look at all these these are the rules these are and you're like well I want to break all the rules how dare you tell me like, yeah what, what bunch of hacks have been working in Hollywood <laughs> up to this point where you're going by pages that seems ridiculous yeah. where's your art yeah. and then once you actually start doing it you're like well, actually, well, there is a certain amount of oh, well, crap it's, that, that it's is your, the... Your paint-the-fruit situation. Yeah. You need to... Because this, this hero's journey is, like, as old as Aristotle. Yeah. This is how stories have been and they told. And they land on a page. There's yeah. this amount of information yeah, yeah, that yeah, yeah. fits on an eight-and-a-half Well, yeah, and if you want your movie to be this long... Mm -hmm. Yeah, even, like, script-writing software is... You know, has the same page margins and uses Courier New as a yeah. monospace font. So, like, a page equals a minute of screen time, which is important for budgeting, actually. Oh, it certainly is. And scheduling. Well, I mean, like, I think what you can't do a day where you're like, I don't know how much we'll get done. I think that's where, like, when you're younger and you maybe even don't have a printer or a word processor or something. Yeah, yeah. That you're like, I'm writing stuff on. I'm filling up the entire page because I only have so much paper and I only have a, a yeah. small ream of 11 by 17. So my page is this long and this short, <laughs> and that's how I'm going to make this movie. Yeah, like, yeah. You're going to end up with a nuts movie that no one can afford or right. <laughs> make. Well, that's, I think 
you know, that's logistically important, and I think it's also like my Rubik's Cube. I know the algorithm, but it's still hard to put the algorithm in play. And like, so you have your formula, but making a movie is so complicated that you need certain things to be dependable or you're not gonna get through it. Um, so yeah. yeah, that's in defense of page counts. <laughs> but also, um, that if you know how these beats work, what the arc is that people are looking for to get to feel emotionally fulfilling, mm -hmm. um, that's where you can break them and make memento. Like you couldn't make memento if you didn't know exactly what you were inverting. Right. Um, uh, that's why something like that is depending on how deep into the craft you are. Yeah. You can look at it and go like, well, this is just an, an exercise or a trick if you want to be like nasty about it for no reason. But like it, there is just here's what the format is. Flip it. Yeah. Well, and, and even if this is the format, we're going to make King of Queens out of it. Or mm -hmm. we're going to make The Good Place out of it. Where we're going to hang really important philosophy on this same basic structure. Right. Which is when it gets down to it is, like, what is the skeleton that you're building? And then it's a, a matter of, like, what you hang off from it to the Exactly, story. exactly. And, like, yeah, no one works with... Like we were saying last week about characters, no one is inventing human behavior. They're caught, they're mm -hmm. like noting down the human behavior that they've recognized. And the same, with, like, the same with stories, like I'm not inventing how things happen in the world. Right. I am like cribbing from stuff that happened to us or stuff I've seen that happened to other people. When you see stuff that like mostly never works, um, but occasionally can, um, that when Hollywood reuses old age, they're going to remake this movie or yeah. remake this sitcom. I mean, occasionally you have something like All in the Family that worked for its time. Mm -hmm. It's kind of hard to watch, not even just because of the social mores about it, but like yeah. it just doesn't like fit in with whatever cultural references of the moment. Yeah. Even the Carmichael show. Oh, yeah, like, as an update of All in uh, the Family. Yeah, that made total sense, but it's still the same exact format. Yeah put into a new context. I mean, most of the time it's like, the update is like, well, what if it was the Flintstones, but with Jetsons jetpacks or something. Right, but, right. Well, and in the case of All in the Family, I would say socially it's still relevant. It's more yeah. stylistically that makes it like, oh, mm -hmm. this is old. Like the colors aren't as crisp and the aspect ratio is different and the speed of dialogue is slower. Right. The music's different. Yeah. They're using palmade in their hair yeah, or something. But like. Archie Bunker is still depressingly relevant. Yeah. Um, I mean, and that that's where, depending on, on what you're, I mean, most people are not trying to re remake that. They're trying to remake Alvin and the Chipmunks or... Right, right. <laughs> Jump harder from a building or whatever oh, movie. Oh, Norman Lear. At. So easy. Yeah, right. Just do that. <laughs> Just be Norman Lear. Television but don't genius. Be don't be Norman Lear. Who wants to watch that? Carmichael Show made it two or three seasons tops. That's true, but it was critically acclaimed. Yeah. There's, and, a, lot, there's uh, a lot of great shows out there that... that One Day at not... a Time just got picked up by... Who? Mm. Or someone. It got saved, anyway. Yeah. Which is not even like one of the ones that was being clamored to be remade by anybody, I don't think. I wasn't clamoring for it. <laughs> I wasn't clamoring for anything. Clamoring for us. I'm never clamming. <laughs> but so anyway, there's the, the, the broader 
emotional journey is super important, but then like page by page, what are people doing? Mm -hmm. um, and what cracked it for me with the pilot, what finally worked was when I, so then the three act structure takes you through like the build up, the main conflict comes to a head, and then the resolution. Um, that like, I had to think, so yeah, you work broadly to specifically, and so I had to think like, what's what's our conflict, what's our action for this? But then like, what am I introducing in each specific scene? Like, okay, in our opening, I want to introduce the characters and the setting, and I've decided on this mode of doing that. And then actually, for this conflict to happen, they need to meet this person in between. And so like, what's the scene where they meet this person and what are they doing? Yeah. And it turned like, everybody has to be doing stuff all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and that's like, oh, that's what I'm writing. That's what writing is. I mean, it really does help when you look at the stage when you don't ever have characters, I mean, I'm sure you do, but like you don't really want characters on stage. If you have an ensemble piece and it's a dinner party, mm -hmm. you don't want like three people standing over in a corner. Right, like, right. You want them at least to look like they're doing something. Yeah. And, oh, yeah, yeah. And when, when you're like... Writing that is different than like telling a couple actors like I like I need you to be here, but you guys should like you could do. They're like, well, I'm at a dinner party, so my motivation is going to be like I'm going to set the table over here or something like. Well, I don't have any parts, but if you're writing that, you were thinking in your head like, crap, what are these people doing over there? Right. Well, and as a somewhat conflict averse but controlling person, I have discovered if you don't fill in the blanks people start, they don't come to you and ask what they need to be doing. They start filling in the blanks themselves. Mm. So that's where like writing minute, minute details, because I know that you and I are producing this, mm -hmm. I can maybe overstep where a screenwriter shouldn't be putting specific directions in to be giving directions. <laughs> like I want this to be happening. I don't, I don't want the actors to making different decisions. I mean, the actors will have decisions to right. make, of course. I don't want the director to choose something different. I want this to be happening. Right. And it is like... That's a, that's a classic for the, the all your Hollywood TV stories, movie stories of the the actor in the background, the extra, yeah. that has decided that, like, well, they didn't tell me what to do, so I'm, I'm going to sneeze here. Yeah, I'm going to sneeze. I'm going to be a zombie. Yeah. This is a... <laughs> Rom-com. There's no zombies in this movie. Wow, but wouldn't it be funny if it was? You know what? My backstory is I just got some bad news, so I'm sobbing uncontrollably. Bad Can news. you stop moving some... Are you crying? Bad news from space. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I have to... That's where, like... And actually, this is from writing documentation, from documenting software and, and code. Um... I'm real. I'm not so good at the soft, the coding, but I'm really good at documentation or like lesson planning for other people. Where it's like, if I leave this space blank, if I leave step two blank, you're not gonna know how to go from step one to step three. So I can like, I can document the heck out of out of any process, and then so like turning into fiction is like, well, how did they get from step one to step three? Mm. I know what happened. Um, right. 
Which is, I mean, how much of that do you feel came from working at the newspaper? I feel like it came more from engineering school. Uh-huh. Um. I, I worked with a woman, a writer, when I was working at a software company. Um, she was the we were doing like doing like animation tutorial kind of cartoons, but like for like corporate tutorial stuff. And it was so there's a certain amount of storytelling. We were telling a story with characters and stuff like that. Um, but she would always say that like the the because she was a writer, she wrote stories, she wrote characters. Yeah. But we're working in the corporate world, so she had to like chop them all up into ways that are more like lists of, of, of mm -hmm. like manuals themselves. Yeah. And and we were making a lot of money doing it, and we were both always talking about how it was so unfulfilling creatively, create, creatively, but like it was so easy to do in terms of how you just. Like, well, this goes here, and this goes there, and this goes there, and this goes there. Like, you know where right. things, how to put the story together. Well, if it's a cake, you know what layers, like, right, you can't right. put the pudding here, or else the whole cake's going to fall over. Which I think is a personality, or at least a, a way your brain is put together thing, because that was always, for me, the easiest part of any assignment was the documentation. But mm. if you know any engineers... Um, they're notoriously terrible at it. And I don't know that it's it's because it's hard, mm -hmm. but it's because it's a different skill than the one that they think is important. Because mm -hmm. um, communication is not stressed. Mm -hmm. Maybe it is now. Maybe we've learned from our past. But, like, the, the, the idea of the lone Zuckerberg... <laughs> Cranking Wait, out code. I mean, I was in college before. Well, maybe contemporaneously with well, Zuckerberg. He was, well, he was. But it was definitely that archetype of lone genius typing on a keyboard, and everybody who looks at it thinks it's soup, but he's so smart as a mm. blah, 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 blah. But he can't function at a party. Or even simpler, can't explain to you why that code is doing what it's doing. And that's the really important part. If you want people to collaborate on your code, if you want people to build on the work that you've done, if you want people to understand the work that you're doing, you have to be able to explain it. Mm -hmm. um, and not only they, they're terrible at explaining it, but now you're stupid because they can't explain right. it. Right, well there is like a, a, a power balance of like, you don't even get what I'm doing because you can't tell me what it is. And if, and this mm -hmm. is, if you can't tell me what your thoughts are, you might as well not have the thoughts. Yeah. I mean, obviously, that's that's not true because we have Facebook. But how good is it that we have Facebook? <laughs> yeah. But, have a few problems. And that has, I feel, for me and my brain chemistry, the direct application to how I'm putting together these stories of, like, if I can't explain to a crew and actors how I want this scene to come out, Mm -hmm. then I might as well, the scene doesn't exist. Right. And so that, for me, actually gets down to what it feels like to be writing. Because it's hard to put together a crew of people that are on the same wavelength and that you trust and are confident. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, like yeah. You could, I mean, in music all the time, we, you have, like, that's why you have studio musicians that have gone to the conservatory to learn how to read and know theory so that mm. 
they're good enough to know, and if they're decent human beings, they right. can intuitively pick up what the composer wants. Otherwise, right. you just have people. Yeah, this is in free jazz. Right. We need you to play some notes here or something. Like, yeah, or the problem of you were saying the other day of like, but I feel like this goes here. Mm -hmm. Okay, but I'm I'm the conductor, composer, whatever. Yeah, I'm building a thing. If you put Jenga here, the yeah, top's gonna yeah. fall off. And That's not what goes there. What I wrote is what goes there. <laughs> and yeah, I think you know. In a, in a grand society level, we can do things better together than we can alone. Huh. And part of doing things together is being able to explain to other people what it is we're actually doing, yeah. effectively. And then it's, it is still up to them because they have free will, allegedly. Hmm. Um, well, and you can, this stuff like, yeah, it scales up and down all the way. Like, the easiest storytelling for me when I was a kid, and because I grew up loving comic books, was when it came time for I, I wanted to figure out how to tell stories mm -hmm. was I can do this all by myself with yeah. a pen and a piece of paper yeah and and then you look at comic books that are like the mainstream ones and there's like you know a writer an inker a penciler an, an editor or two or something on there mm -hmm. a colorist and you're like wow a handful of people put these together yeah like we can keep this so small and then you like actually look at the numbers of like a small indie one person wrote and drew a whole comic of how much that actually gets seen or appreciated by anybody. And how good it is. And how good it is too. It, yeah, it's just kind of like, oh well, when you have one editor, I mean there was a billion books published like every minute or whatever that are all airport crap. Mm -hmm. the, the amount of good- And they're sad, the ones that are satisfying follow the formula. Yeah. To right. bring it back to our discussion. <laughs> ding ding. Which I I feel like I've known people who are like who are smart, good creative people who discover this formula and like take the call to the t call to action mm -hmm. of like I could do that or like romance novels are very famously like mm -hmm. on this page this happens on this page this happens and that is like they are. Especially in, in high potential financial reward situations, I've, I've, and I've been tempted myself to pick up a romance novel, but ultimately I don't have a romance story. Have you ever been tempted to, to write one? <laughs> yeah. More, I've been tempted to make money, mm. but I, I don't actually have a romance story to tell. So the, there is like the appeal of like, I just plug in the details and then presto, money. But the details are still a lot of work. Yeah. And so for me anyway, I do need to care about what I, the story I'm telling. Right. And, and I think, you know, successful romance novelists, formula or no, also care about writing romance novels. Yeah. Um, hack screenwriters probably still think their screenwriter is something they care about. Yeah. Screen, screenplay is something they care about. My, when I was a kid, it was... Spider-Man was the dream job. If I could just get a job drawing Spider-Man, like yeah. all my dreams would ever come true. Until I started to know people that worked in the business that had drawn Spider-Man or written Spider-Man, and it didn't solve all their problems. And it was a <laughs> hell of a lot of work. Yeah. And yeah. You, you, when you look at it, you, you draw a couple of pages, and you're just like, I really don't want to draw Spider-Man again. And I got 20 more pages of drawn Spider-Man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing is like. 
everybody thinks I could do that, whether it's drawing Spider-Man or writing a novel or writing you might a movie. Physically I could, be able to I do could it. do that. But the actual sitting down and doing it part is the hard part, and that is the accomplishment. Yeah. And that's even like going from we've been talking for months about who these characters are, what we want their story arc to be, what they were, their emotional journey is, and then like to go episode by episode. Last night we were breaking two episodes. That um, what made them work is like putting remixing plot from one into plot from the other and vice versa of like, oh, cause this episode is David realizes he needs more friends than just his girlfriend. Okay, but how does that actually happen? Well, he goes to lunch with this guy and doesn't have a good time. And then he goes and his girlfriend has something else to do. And so he will show him being bored. And then he meets this, like all these actual concrete details. It's easier to come up with David feels like he needs more friends. But, like, how do you show that then? And that's the part of, like... You have to actually care about the character that you yeah. built up. Yeah. Like, I, I wonder if someone... And then our issue last night was, what is what is Patrice, the girlfriend, doing? Oh, she's doing this stuff from this episode. Now it's in this episode. Yeah, yeah you have to, like, shift all these things. Like, if you're, like, looking at a forest and where things are, like covering up other, like, if you're trying to look at a tree at a forest, but there's, like, three other trees in the way. Yeah. Part of making a theatrical presentation is you've got to move those trees over. Like, right, right. But that's not how the forest is. Like, yeah, then move the camera. Yeah. I, I, that's I, not a good frame. Move I was it. listening to somebody, I think it was on Blank Check, they were talking about, uh, what's Christopher Nolan. Mm. And he tends to... Well, I guess the most famous are, are, are Batman and uh, the, the Bane character. And it just kind of comes out with like, well, I can't understand what they're saying, so I don't really know what's going on. And his, uh, not excuse, but his attempt at doing that is uh, like what we've talked about is like, sometimes you just can't hear what's going on in a room, like Robert Altman or something like that. There's, yeah. there's stuff happening all but over Altman the place. But Altman always had such a purpose to the dialogue you couldn't hear as right. much it, as the dialogue you could hear. Yeah, and it was a dance, whereas it, he, I think the Christopher Nolan is that like, sometimes there's noise that's happening if buildings are shifting in inception or something like that. Yeah. Where, I can't hear what's going on, or you're like. Mm. We also have a case where I think technology is eclipsing what the average consumer has in their home. When when uh, uh, the Lord of the Rings movies first came out, and it was in like Super 9D or something, yeah. like everyone watched it and got sick. Yeah, or even like Game of Thrones, like that episode that everybody complained was just black. Yeah, it's just that too was, dark. Color. That the the cinematographer, his response was like, "Get a better TV." Yeah, it's so good if you can see it right. Like, <laughs> Lucky I have a TV. You didn't people. you didn't do it right if not everybody can see it right now. Yeah, you have to be. Because I wonder, like, when there's things like going back to characters, mm -hmm. like I think about like what are the characters like that don't like I can't ever get into Harry Potter. And mm -hmm. I know that these characters mean a lot to people. Right. And that's why I'm not all that interested in, in shitting on Harry Potter. Like, yeah, it, it yeah. seems like a story that is just not for me. Mm -hmm. Same thing with Game of Thrones. Like, these, these are characters that mean a lot to people. Yeah. And I don't get what that is. 
but I don't think it's because the writer was just lazy and didn't bother writing characters. Like, I'm not interested in the characters right, that right. They're, they're writing. Well, and I would say in the case of Harry Potter, they're very archetypal. Mm -hmm. um, and it is like, it's a messiah's journey. And the, the messiah character, Harry, is left, I think, a little bit blank for you to project yourself onto him. Because mm -hmm. um, the, the, his best friend and his best girlfriend. Right, it's the Luke Skywalker are, thing. Of just yeah, like, yeah, give, that, give that, the actual central figure is kind of bland but your personality you've got your joker over here and your priss over here usually that breaks down around boring gender lines that the yeah. man is, <laughs> the boy is the joker and the girl is the stickler yeah um harry potter is no exception there but that that the juicy character bits come in from the side because i think especially in children's fiction but maybe all airport fiction too is is they kind of want you as the reader to be able to project yourself onto it. Which is one of the magic things of going back to Spider-Man that Stanley has is that the mask mm, means yeah, that like yeah. it could be anybody and that way the fact that he's a jokester and he's a good guy, but he's a wise ass, like you could right, figure like right. oh, I, I feel like I was always the funniest. Like you well, probably yeah. weren't the funniest, but at least like it's under a mask it could have been you. Yeah. Yeah. So it's the, the putting your characters in something that people can relate to is there's an easy way to do it. Yeah. But I But mean, then like in the in the mode of, of screenwriting as documentation, you get down to like, okay, I'm in a scene and everybody needs to say hello to each other. Mm -hmm. Do I write a full page of hello, I'm Luke. Hello, I'm Leia. Hello, Leia. This is uh, Chewy. Hi, Chewy. Yeah. Like, I had to write through a couple of those, and I told you I would be typing, be like, I hate this. This is horrible. But so the quicker way to getting to something usable out of that is to realize the purpose of what happens here, we as the audience don't know these new characters, and my main characters don't know these new characters. How do I do that in a way that I don't have them all say, hello for two pages and there's like various ways around that um well in a, in a children's book way you have a completely different set at the beginning or the end of a book it's like having like uh, the area map of, of the hobbit or something that right like, right you can actually have like your character sketches that you know maybe you don't write in like a, a realistic dramatic mm -hmm. story but adult here's our here's real characters and they have right. like real thing. you're not gonna draw up you know what are the, my character charts for Harry and Sally well Harry's yeah. five foot tall and like right. you don't need to do that but like when you have the Marvel Universe or Star Wars you it almost like you have a deep desire to get that trading card that has like well Colossus is six foot nine and at his greatest strength and yeah, baseball yeah. cards. You don't have to write that out in exposition dialogue. <laughs> <laughs> that would be irritating to actually read a baseball card in the middle of a movie just to get to know your character. Yeah, yeah, and the there there are ways around it, but I think the way. Because even if it was a documentary, if we, if we decided to, like our early idea is to make a documentary here in China, yeah. Yeah. and we found like a family that we wanted to follow around, and 
that was like, I mean, you see it today in like a, a lot of like really hip like Deadpool kind of like movies or movies attempting to do that mm. where like they give you the new characters are introduced and like stop with like the bullets flying by them and the, and the oh yeah yeah that's what I was gonna say is one solution to that the hello problem mm -hmm. um, is some kind of super stylized comic book that like interrupts the flow the naturalistic flow of the story because the advantage of the print fiction see it. is that print fiction actually does not have to unfold in real time. Mm -hmm. And then the author can take your focus and direct it super specifically. And like you can meet a character and if you want to have a whole chapter about what their backstory is and then come Born back. the new black. Yeah. That's one of my favorite parts about that is every episode we get a chunk out of because the cast is so huge and ever changing yeah that we can jump back in an episode and get huge chunks of what yeah so you can't even incorporate these things into audiovisual mm -hmm. but that that written fiction can like be surgically precise about where they're f focusing your attention mm -hmm. whereas the movie like you're gonna have a whole I mean there's you can be precision about you could be precise about that too but you'd have there's more like visual trickery. Like if you have a room full of people, I'm watching the entire room full of people. And if if events are unfolding in real time, more or less, we have to sit through all those yeah. lows. And so that's actually the non less stylized solution is don't make the scene unfold in real time. And better yet, have these characters be introduced at different times. Never introduce a big group of characters right. at once. That's the lesson I learned. I mean, even that is like one of those things that like as a rule breaker, you kind of like, well, what if we just had a movie that was just a queue up line and the characters just yeah. moved to you like you were interviewing them and they just, that was the whole movie we got to Yeah, but even that, like then you'd have like the stylization of an interview format. Yep. Um, yeah, or yeah, like way fake documentary it. or fake comic book like Scott Pilgrim yep. in that party scene they did like whoosh, close up introduce this character with the trading card stats right yep. um, yeah so ultimately what I did is we meet these characters one at a time before this party happens. which turns out to go back to the original <laughs> like how did we end up deciding a series that might have not have been the immediate decision of why to do a series as opposed to a movie but as it turns out facilitating where we wanted to go that makes more sense later on where we're like yeah oh yeah. I don't need to jam all these characters into the first episode it just feels wrong I don't like it I don't want to do it yeah what if we can build these characters because I guess the regular mainstream sitcom primetime world you start off with your first episode your first season and you try out new people yeah some people leave yeah. some people go some people come in some people are, you know, the 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 poochie after a couple se seasons or something. Um, so you get to try that out because you don't really know what you're going. But in in the new world of of you know past CISO, but Netflix and like doing a sitcom that like I'm gonna make eight episodes. Yeah. You can compose that in this in in the style of a movie. 
but it doesn't right, all have to be right. jam packed in there. Well, that that I had been thinking about that phrase when because often mostly Netflix when they say it's like a twelve hour movie, mm. I think that's where they mean that it's serialized, but there isn't. It's, it's not a traditional sitcom where we return to normalcy by the end of every episode. That there is like great change that happens, like a, in a movie would. Mm -hmm. um, over the course of these 12 hours. And people are more or less successful at that. I'm hoping, well, I, we're kind of following that mode, so I'm hoping we're more yeah. successful. Well, there, yeah, there is, I would say, I mean, the, the Netflix ones are in particular, like, uh, a good example that uh, the Netflix superhero ones, the Defenders and Daredevil, and mm. those, where it was exciting, like, oh my God, when they had 13 hours of Daredevil. Yeah. Uh, do I want 13 hours of Daredevil? Wait, do I want three seasons? Because then, especially with the drama, there is like the structure. Then is every hour a cliffhanger. Yeah. Because they do, they don't have that return to normalcy at the end, so they need they need to go the opposite way to get you invested in the next episode. And even with something more like that isn't fantastic, as fantastic, although kind of, but uh, orange. Mm -hmm. at, what season are we in now? That we're seven. watching. We're watching seven, and it does it does have those same. Soap opera tropes as yeah. Oz and Sopranos and Dexter, where it's like you, the characters have like started out innocent or bad and yeah, switched, yeah. and then they've gone back. And yeah. At this point, like I'm, I'm like, oh, is she bad or good at this point? Yeah. Like I don't know where this character, where they're gonna come out, and you just kind of get bored of of these well, arcs. That, that yeah, like there is like, I like in the human humanistic world of that this is true the more context you have about a person the more understandable their actions are even if at first blush you're horrified by what you're seeing mm -hmm. and that's i think that's true in real life um but it does yeah after seven seasons of switch 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 twist yeah. <laughs> like oh they're the good, and because it is starting to get a little simplistic of not just like they're a complicated human with complicated motivations. Oh, they're the good guy now. No, they're really a bad guy. No, they're a good guy doing bad things. No, they're a bad guy doing good yeah. things. Well, well like yeah, I thought you were saying with Red, she started off as the most evil that you could ever get, and then we get to know her. And you start to have some Oh yeah, she was the scariest thing. And in now that she's first the episode. scaredest thing. Yeah. Until this season, now she's on, and she's done this a couple times. Yeah. But we get to this other one where we've reintroduced her to the kitchen. Right. And it it, it clicks in her mind of like, I'll have power over the kitchen. Right. Ah! right. No, she's all of a sudden she gains back all of her strength. But then the twist is now she's crazy. Yeah. Now she has she's suffering from dementia. Yeah. So it, it's always like. Let's go back to this. And I mean, I guess that's how humans work. You you gravitate back to something that you know, but it's different than it was. Like, I, there's there's reasons for writers to do this, but it's hard for it not to just seem that it's it's just an easy path. Like the story should have just stopped. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that, I think that yeah, that there's a human tendency to like the people in my in group. I'll give them a pass, and I can understand, even when they do good things, I still think, bad things, I still think they're a good person, 
and that exploring that psychology is is fascinating. Yeah. But yeah, once you once you soap it up too much, then it is like okay, well now you're just using the twist. Mm-hmm. The fact that there's a twist already gives away that anything exciting is happening. Yeah, because you do have like people go into lulls in between. If like you're a megalomaniacal crime boss and you're a, a totally broken, powerless person that's had everything taken away from you. Right. We don't go through every interaction of like you go to the deli and you're like, I guess I won't have a turkey sandwich. Or you I'm do. Worthless. In in Hollywood terms, you get the. Yeah. The, the, the five minute, like the, this was the downtime that they had. Like it may have yeah. actually been like that should probably be about four years of their life. <laughs> but it it was just like yeah, I walked into that deli and and the deli owner noticed that I was down. Was yeah, well, and some of that is like what happens off on script should be informing the story. So if the story needs to show him being downtrodden, mm-hmm. if we're showing him ordering a turkey sandwich, he's going to order a turkey sandwich in a downtrodden way. Mm-hmm. Even though in real life, even if you're having a bad day, you're probably still nice to your deli guy because you know him. Yeah. Yeah, you don't flip on him of like, well, or maybe you do. Maybe that would be more interesting. But like, again, that makes I, I the, told the you sandwich... Mayonnaise. What if I came in here and never got that mayonnaise? That makes the sandwich ordering on script. Yeah. Because now it's showing you something relevant to the story. Right. But, like, we all do a million mm. things every day that are not relevant to our story and would not be featured in the movie of our day. Yeah. Oh, what would the movie of my day be? <laughs> oh, it's this. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that's a uh, that story. That's what we're working on. Mm-hmm. I would Peter and I more me, but Peter also has been <laughs> sorry to tell you. That's just what I'm focusing on because that's my plan is to take all this back to America and write mm-hmm. as complete drafts as I can, and then we'll get to move forward in terms of what does it mean to to then edited script <laughs> I guess is what comes next well yeah I mean you're build, you're building the skeleton still yeah um, once we go in for however many many rewrites it takes yeah because then you get to do the fun stuff of like I don't want to give away this moment because we're gonna mm-hmm. but we had a funny moment occur to us when we were out that's in that's in the pilot now mm-hmm. that and those funny details that happen to you. Um, are really fun to incorporate in. But you need to do that structure. You need to do the hard work from daydreaming about, like, what a character would be like to, like, okay, moment to moment, what are they doing? And what am I showing them? Right. For example, what I'm doing with the soundtrack that we're listening to right now. Mm -hmm. Initially, a couple weeks ago, I just dragged up the keyboard Mm -hmm. and just noodled. And then I put down a track the next week with just some keyboards to soul over <laughs> and then each week I've added a new track to it and the, the that that's building the skeleton to the whole thing yeah the fun part is for me to sit here and go <laughs> that's that's putting all the the noodles that are the, the fun part but you need something and that's always the hard work I think where it it just breaks down of like you get all excited and you're like, I'm gonna build this thing. Well, yeah, initial conception is fun and putting on the fun details are fun, but the middle part of like actually building it is hard. Yeah. It's still fun when it's going well, it feels good, but it is like. Mm-hmm. 
But once you have that all down, then the, uh, oh no, my memory card's full. Oh, well. I guess that's about it. Yeah. That's kind of all I had to say. We didn't put anything new out. No. Well, um, no. We can talk about yes, it next, next time. time. Uh, so noodles to you. Ta-da!